the feast we celebrate today, Christ the King, may seem to have a bit of a, an out-of-step title. We live in the age of democracy. You know, most countries don't have kings or queens. Yet, if you think of it, royalty is still very popular. This is something I read recently in one of the BBC outlets. It said, From the millions who tuned in to watch the wedding of Prince William and Kate Middleton, to the celebrated arrival of series three of Netflix's royal drama, The Crown. Global fascination with the British royal family shows no sign of abating. I think that the, the figures of, of king and queen strike a deep chord in the human heart. There's something inspiring or moving that, that draws our attention. There's something magnetic about it. But the question is, What makes for a true king, for a true queen? And especially, what kind of kingship does Jesus personify? What kind of king is he? The passage of the gospel we just heard of Jesus surrounded by these two, the two criminals sounds a bit anticlimactic in a way. Because we want to think of a king acclaimed by the crowd while he parades, not of a king who is dying on a cross, but... Actually, this passage is a meditation on the kind of kingship that Jesus has because there's two types of kingship, if you want, represented in these two criminals that are crucified with him. We usually call them thieves, which that's probably the demeaning way in which Romans used to call these this dangerous radicals that had been arrested you know, in, because of an uprising or a revolt they were leading. If you were executed publicly in Jerusalem during Passover, the peak time of the year, that meant something. Pickpockets didn't get to be crucified in that place. Revolutionaries of this kind believed that society needed to change, that something needed to be done. And the only way to, to create the change was to do so through violent and decisive action. And we can imagine that they would have despised what Jesus had done as some sort of naive approach to things. Well, would you think that just by preaching and appealing to people's goodness and conscience, you're going to change society? Well, the words of the bad thief, the bad revolutionary, reflect that mindset. He's mocking Jesus. He's confronting him as a failed Messiah, as someone who's failed our hopes for a new Israel. But the astonishing thing is what the other one says, who has a complete turnaround in this moment, the last moment of his life. At first he rebukes the, his former colleague, and then he professes faith in Jesus, basically. He says, one of the most, pronounces one of the most moving prayers of all the Bible, Jesus, remember me, when you come into your kingdom. It's a profession of faith that this man crucified here is the king. He has the right to grant privileges to his subjects. He's reigning. He's a king. Not, he not, he's not only professing faith in Jesus, but also his idea of kingdom has changed. He's no longer thinking of the kingdom he had tried to seize through violence and murder and sedition, but... It's your kingdom, Jesus, the one you are bringing. Remember me. And see that there are two types 
of kingdom and going beyond, obviously, the two violent criminals here. But we could think of two types of authority and kingdoms on earth. One that works from the outside towards the inside. It works through laws and discipline and and boundaries and, and, you know, uh, fines. And that's the way in which institutions and polities work for the most part. They, they set these boundaries through, for external behavior, right? And that's their strength. But that's also their weakness, you know, because we human persons, we cannot be simply reduced to a cog in the social system. We're more than that. So there's that element. And the second type of kingdom is the one that works from the inside out is the one that God can accomplish. It begins by the transformation of each person's heart, the healing, the harmonizing of of the soul. And then when the person has been healed and transformed, that begins to spread, to radiate. It transforms everything around us, the way we see others, we see ourselves and our lives, the way we see happiness and fulfillment, the way we treat our family and neighbors and the way we see politics, the way we see work, everything is changed. And that's exactly what happened with the repentant thief. From the moment that Jesus won over his heart, he began to see everything different. Power, authority, kingdom, those, they were the same words, but they had a, now a different meaning for him. Remember me, Jesus, when you come in your kingdom. And see, Jesus didn't win the heart of this man by violent action through violent action, but by attraction. He didn't need the power of laws, coercion of any kind, threats. That would not work anymore for him. But it was his sheer goodness, his holiness, the power of his truth that won him over. This man has done nothing criminal. And I've seen what he has done. Probably he was a man who heard about Jesus and what he's done and the many people he healed and how he was dying without any curse, without any sign of anger, resentment, pride, bitterness. So he created with this former criminal this bond of friendship, a change of heart. That's how the kingdom of God works. It draws us in. It doesn't have to coerce or threat. It just draws us in. It's a kingdom to which you want to belong And then there's this remarkable fact that that kind of kingdom doesn't replace the other other authorities. It doesn't say that political power, the power of institutions, that is not necessary anymore. On the contrary, it, it upholds all the other types of authority. Because any social system needs good people to work. You know, there's... You can push people by you know, coercion and threats and laws to some extent. But if there's no virtue, no goodness in, in, a, in a group of people, it's impossible to govern them. Right? So we, we could say that if in social things or institutions, this external authority is the body, is the structure, the, the external structure, the kingdom of God is the soul. It's the soul that brings Life is the, the impulse towards goodness and justice that stems from within the human heart. And God's presence only kind of enhances that tendency that we have. 
So see, the kingdom of Christ starts from the inside, but then it will spread. When you receive Jesus in your heart, that will start to impact every other area of your existence, of your life, how you relate to people, how you do things. It spreads. And that's what we mean especially with the expression kingdom of God. It's not simply an individual thing. It's not simply that someone has been converted and changed. It means that once a person has been converted, that begins to spread all around you, to everyone, to everything you do. I think of many great saints and how they clearly portray this. One that comes to mind is a a man who is in the process of becoming a saint. He's called Enrique Shaw. He's a, a lay person from Argentina. He died several decades ago a husband, a father, a businessman who saw his career as businessman, as a vocation. He wanted to bring Christ into the workplace because he saw how much of a contention there was between you know, um, management and, and bosses and, and, and owner, you know, uh, uh, business owners and working class. It was all this huge strife, especially at the time. And so he says, I need to bring Christ into this. And he did. He was a man who was, he was a, a fair and, and demanding employer, but he, did, he went you know, to every extreme to show justice and charity towards people that worked for him. He, he showed the greatest respect uh, for them. For example, just one anecdote. He, whenever he went on a, on a business trip, he would post this list on this paper on, a, on the plant and Employees could write down whatever they want him to bring back as a gift. It was like a wish list you can, can note down there. He came to be so loved by people who worked for him that you know, when he was 41, he was diagnosed with cancer. He didn't live too long. And the blood donor, donors were needed. 250 employees showed up at the hospital to donate blood for him. It was something that the staff at the hospital couldn't believe. They said, never, we've never seen anything like this. He was uh, so well respected because of that testimony of charity, of goodness, and how he saw Christ in each of the, the people that were around him, that worked for him. You know, Enrique Shaw allowed Jesus to shape his heart, but then that began to spread to every, every relationship, to everything he did. So let me suggest a few practical things to to meditate on and to take away. The first one is to think, what is the kind of reform that Jesus wants to start in your own heart? If you want Christ to be a king, you need to invite him in. And to think, what's the kind of reform that this king is going to bring? It's useless to bring him as as a monarch who just is, you know, we just parade him but then he doesn't really govern, right? That could be a, some type of faith. I just have Jesus there as a sort of nice feature in my life, but he's just for decoration, you know? He doesn't really govern. But if you want him to be the king, what's the kind of reform he is to bring to your life? And how, how is that reform, how is that change in your heart going to spread to everything you do? The second takeaway is the lesson of the cross that we see with the true criminals. And I would summarize it maybe saying, don't, don't let criticism deter you from doing the right thing. Don't let critics stop you from having hope and seeking what is good. You know, at times we can pay a lot of attention to 
all the people that are against what you want to do or that gossip or criticize or slander what you're doing. But that's not what Jesus did. He, he had a lot of people there yelling at him, mocking him. He didn't quite pay attention. He didn't, he didn't answer back. But when the, this man converts, he responds. He doesn't spend a lot of energy on controversy and, and becoming bitter about all the people that were you know, yelling at him. He focuses on the good that the Holy Spirit is making sprout all around him in, in, in small ways. And he latches onto that. Maybe are you letting evil, critical voices, negativity um, get a hold of you or control your thinking, your feelings, your hopes? Don't let those critical voices just dictate where you go and what you do. Do what Jesus did. Even in this moment that was apparently hopeless, yet he clung to the good, to the light. And then perform Christ-like actions. That's a good way of just bringing Christ into his kingdom into your life. Just do actions that remind you of him. And a simple one that I suggest this week is express gratitude. You know, maybe go to that person you take for granted usually. They usually see when you walk to the office or to your class to acknowledge them, to, give, to, give, to thank them for what they do to your neighbor, your friends, your classmate, someone in your family, you know, extended family, a friend. It's amazing how those small things can, can definitely make someone's day and change their attitude. Those are the kind of things that, you know, could never be enforced by coercion. They only stem from a grateful heart. Uh, they go above the law. So Christ-like actions. May we pray. Lord Jesus, you are my king. I ask you to come and guide me in all my decisions, in all that I do, in all my projects and my endeavors. Because only you know, Lord, what is good for me. You know what I need. Never let me be away from you or walk away from your side. Thank you, Lord, for all your gifts, especially for the gift of your friendship, for the gift of faith. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Amen.